Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Because it's time. It's, it's time for reparations. LGBTIQ rights are black rights. We have always been here. Black queers, we will always be here. It's like, it's a form of cultural imperialism. The only thing I have in common with this character is that she's black. This does not look like me or sound like me. Welcome to The I'm Race Gary Card. Vaughan. I'm your host, I'm Zach Ahmed, and joining me in the studio Rahman. today, we've and got Amina Ziad. Say hi. Hi. And you know him already, Ahmed Yusuf. Say hello. Ahmed. Ahmed Yusuf, I'm sorry. You, I you my Somali brother. I'm to, to sorry. To okay, my, my tongue's just been too westernized. Is that is that it? That tongue, my friend. I'll try. That I'll try, but it's a long process. It, it is a very long process. We've got a few things planned this week. Sorry. <laughs> Before we begin, I'd like to do an acknowledge. Let me try that again. An acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the Kulin people as the owners of the land on which we meet, and we pay respect to their elders, both past and present. This land was never ceded, and the processes of colonization, occupation, incarceration, and genocide that began over two centuries ago continue to this day. You're listening to our one-hour show where we chat politics, current affairs, and pop culture with a little bit of a twist. Today, we look at the racist game on Apple iTunes Store, Survival Island 3, Australia Story. One of the odd slogans in the description was, Beware of the Aborigines, so... Yeah, that happened. <laughs> um... And then we're looking at Charlie Ebdo's controversial depiction of Island Curdy, the young Syrian boy washed ashore, MTV Australia's tweet about Eva, Longo- Eva Longoria, and, and America Ferreras. And America Ferreras. Sorry about that. She stumbles here today. Oh, God. I'm sorry, guys. Jesus. <laughs> no pressure. Feature is on the Oscars being so whitewashed and how that translates into Australian media with upcoming Logies. So we're skipping the part with Lewis Majui, right? Yeah, okay. And then we'll go the week mm. that was. Okay. Now we're going into our segment, The Week That Was, where we highlight some of the most notable stories from the past week. Ahmed, take it away. Now, we've never been really at a loss of content on, on the race card. And, you know, like, even but this week, I was especially surprised on what we found. Um, and an app developer created a new all-action game that included the killing and torturing of Indigenous Australians as the cornerstone of the game. And with slogans like, as you said before, beware of the Aborigines and have have them to be bludgeoned to death, kind of, you know, irked a few people on social media and rightly so. Uh, and there was a brief explanation from the developer about the game and they said boomerangs and stuff had a hunt. And then there, the petition went online and, and social media and it had this huge outcry um, and Later on, iTunes decided to you know take the off the store, as well as Google Play stores decided to take it off as well. But you know, when I think about it, I just wonder why was a sh- why was a game that depicted Indigenous people in this kind of way even allowed to hit massive global um, app stores all around, whether it be Android or iTunes. And I, I think this reminds me of like when we talked about last week, I mean, about the hacker and mm-hmm. how people continually using indigenous culture um, in this kind of barbaric kind of form to, to kind of other them. Right. Um, I do feel like video games in general deal with a lot of controversial topics and they do, um, they systematically use violence and gruesome crime to sell their games. And I feel like this is kind of like one of those, except it does have like very racist elements to it. Um, like this is racist for Australia, even like this is yeah, really yeah, racist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, this is extremely for sure. racist. For sure, and it's you know, I mean, you could also draw lines with Grand Theft Auto, where you're gonna control like a POC character, a person of color, basically, um, and do crime. You know what I mean? And kill people and dodge police. That's like that's not what people of color do, essentially. In the same way, like you know, when the um, program developer tries to justify why 
you do this, what you do in the game. It's almost like, well, the character that is normalized or the player that is normalized is obviously white. I would, I wouldn't be comfortable playing that kind of game, um, killing indigenous people. That doesn't sound very. Um, but just, like, just the uh, the idea of it as well, just like the whole idea of the game is to kill indigenous people, yeah. and it's this, it's like they're accepting this settle colonialist narrative anyway, saying you're mm. here to invade their land, and what you have to do, you know, you have to kill them. You and have also, to make sure they're gone. Um, you know, at the time they were considered non-human. And they were considered non-human for a very long time, until recently, actually. Um, and so to put them in the same footing as animals, that's a huge, huge disrespect. But also, it continues that legacy. And this idea that, oh, they're only good for teaching us how to, you know, throw boomerangs and how to hunt. You know, again, back to the idea that indigenous people are one with nature, or that they cannot progress and therefore colonizing them or invading their land and taking away their land and displacing them and killing them event like as the game even allows so is justified. And I think we talked I mean we talked about this a few times over the show, but you know, I I think it's just Yeah, it's it's like you're you lost words already. Like yeah, you can't, you can't I, I, ha- I have no words for it. I'm just disappointed. Like in the background, just waiting to just throw some punches. I think right. we're all no, just I'm, cringing. Yeah, I'm I'm cringing honestly. It's one of those things that's just like you don't really know what to say because you just think, how is this still? How, I mean, who cleared this? Who said, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a good idea. You should definitely make this game. Here's some funding. Here's some you know whatever you mm-hmm. need to make it. Go mm-hmm. ahead and make it. Like, does this not, like, the thought of, you know, this being offensive to a group of people, Does it seems like it doesn't right. even cross their mind. I mean, there are video games where you basically have to go into, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and kill people as well. Call um, duty. It's all, you know, this, and here's the thing with imperialism and cultural production. In order to produce culture, um, you need money. So money goes... Culture is produced where there is money, basically, especially in a massive scale. And so when you have things like video games or even movies, particularly during during a time of war and conflict, um, I'm guessing the developers are American. I'm pretty sure because um, yeah? I think I think they're American because right. it's 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 specifically said Australia like this right. game is yeah. in Australia, so it's like right. I feel like the the, the it's like part of a series. Sort of exactly. part of a series. Yeah. It actually says like survival. So series. you know, following this whole narrative of you know. Australia being an imperialist power, settled colonial nation, um, in order for them to justify their stay and their war on terror, sorry, their invasions and war on terror, um, they need to create cultural production in order to get the masses to support that agenda. And for me, this is just one of that manifestation, except it's for a different context and they're creating it for a different context. And the dangerous thing when they create this kind of context is that it's a context that is actually continuing. It hasn't ended. You know, indigenous people are still being, yeah, they're still being killed. They're still being displaced. I mean, in the past, yes, and it's still continuing now. And to have that narrative proliferate and to have that narrative justified and normalized, that is not what we want and that's not what you need. Like also like when you think about this, right, you have like as Zach said, how many people have that okay it? So you have to put this um the people had to hire you to make this app. Mm, um yeah. then after that the person who was supervising you had to see what you did and said, Oh well, that's a good idea. They had to go to a board probably yeah. who were making this app. And then they had to publish it right. on iTunes and then they had to uh have it approved on iTunes and other app stores and, and what have you. And then after that it took a month for for this to even scratch the surface. So it's like a lot of things had to happen exactly. for, for anyone to even see this game. And for this to come you know, light. in spite of all those filters, no one thought it was a problem. Yeah. Who is making these apps? It makes you question who are in power, who makes these things acceptable. And the only time they backtrack was because of the social response to it. And and also like um. The thing is, the only reason the social response was so heavy is because this is so clearly racist. But even when it was mm. clearly racist, you had news organizations putting um, racist indigenous, um, uh, racist app towards indigenous Australians in quotation marks. Like re- the word racist was in quotation marks. Right. Like it was Supposedly. still up for debate, sort of. It was of. still up for debate. Yeah. Like, right. and, and, and I'm like, 
how, like this is in almost every single kind of article mm. or whatever. Um, they won't take an editorial stand saying in a headline racist and um, app, but they'll have it in quotation marks because you know. It's, like, it's oh, con- we can't really be sure if it was racist. We haven't mm. seen all the facts yet. Yeah, that, that sort of thing, and and mm. that I feel like kind of like is is inherent in in Australian media right. and the landscape in in kind of like saying you know we have to show all sides of the story and this kind of like faux kind of de- democratic mm. democracy kind of thing saying we're giving voices to everyone but right. in reality we're giving a voice we're, we're amplifying the voices mm. of um the the most powerful in in, in that right. sense and we see that through like who owns most media outlets who owns um the news but they, and and we're talking about this like in studio, uh, like not in studio, like um, in yeah, before the show um, about perception and what makes perce- what, what is reality and uh, and that's really influenced by perception. We'll be talking about that a little bit later, with when it comes to like the Oscars and and the feature. But like that, in a sense, is is what we see, what we what we see in the media and what we see on television, creates a reality in our mind mm-hmm. and what is socially acceptable. What's going on people, this is Akala and right now you're listening to the race card, big up. Alright, so moving on. Charlie Hebdo is relevant again following a controversial cartoon of Island Curdy, the young Syrian toddler whose image of his limp dead body washed upon the Turkish shores, moved and swayed Europe's stance in accepting in- incoming refugees. The self-proclaimed satirical magazine depicts Island Curdy as a harasser and molester, accompanied by an equally controversial caption. The text translates as, What would have happened to Little Island if he grew up? A groper of women in Germany. The cartoon has drawn both criticism and praise. Some argue the depiction furthers anti-refugee sentiment. Others believe the cartoon pokes fun at the fickleness and double standards of empathy in the West but can be misinterpreted. What do you think? I just think, um, you know, Charlie Hebdo were like, how can we, you know, sell a few papers and magazines? How can we get back into the spotlight? You know what? We've lost relevance. Let's let's fix this. Let's mm. do something incredibly let, let, pointless and offensive. Yeah, and uh, let's, let's call it satire, you know, because satire is, is, is rude and offensive and racist that, hashtag that, freedom of speech hashtag, obviously mm. and you know political correctness is ruining freedom of speech really like i, I why is everyone so oh, politically you pc correct? warriors god jesus <laughs> but like but you know like honestly a, a, a child died and mm. they are writing this false narrative of what he'd be even though he died yeah and this is all predicated on the idea of who um, who assaults women and and and, and that mm. kind of thing and and, and labeling particular men and that I think came came after the Cologne, the mm. incident like the, the assault of women in in Cologne, mm. and and that was I think a lot of like migrant men were a part of that. But the the what happened after the reaction was the people who are the, the you know how you know how we solve sexual sexualized violence of women you know just take all the migrant men out of the house yeah and it'll be fine. Part of what I'm thinking of is the not just the perception of threat, but preemptive threat, and therefore having that preemptive threat taken away is just as important as uh, taking away threat that is already facing you, if that makes sense. So this idea that it's almost justifiable that Alan Curdy or people like Alan Curdy who are who haven't done anything, but because it's preemptive measures, it's all right. And it's the same thing when you have suspected, you know, the word suspect is not used. Um, it's not used in the same way for everybody. It's applied to particular peoples in different contexts. And yeah, that's one of the things that struck me. And having said that, I don't know if anyone remembers Julian Blanc that situation in 2014 yeah right? I, I don't think people can forget julian blunt and his yeah pick-up lines and the thing is he was allowed into australia um he's a pickup artist but basically he was like teaching how to harass and um, be violent towards women um and so he had to be chased out he was allowed into the country he had to be chased out however i just read a few articles that he is planning to come again and i don't know you know, if anyone thinks of being collective preemptive, shout, if know, anyone thinks shout, of man, being exactly. Shout. We're just calling a collective shout, collective shout. <laughs> you know? Put more 
beautiful people of colour on TV and connect viewers in ways which transcend race and unite us. That's the real Team Australia. You know, you look at the American TV, British TV, it, you know, has, uh, you know, it's got shows with d different nationalities. And, 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 and not just putting nationalities just for the point of difference, but creating work that caters for um, actors of different backgrounds. In my mind, I see a line. And over that line, I see green fields and lovely flowers and beautiful white women with their arms stretched out to me over that line. But I can't seem to get there, no how. I can't seem to get over that line. That was Harriet Tubman in the 1800s. And let me tell you something. The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity. You cannot win an Emmy for roles that are simply not there. Actress Eva Longoria and America Ferreira took the opportunity to speak on the mixing up of Latina actresses in Hollywood at the Glo Golden Globes. And it went a little bit like this. Yes, hi, I'm Eva Longoria, not Ava Mendes. And hi, I'm America Ferreira, not Chino Rodriguez. Yes. And neither, neither one of us are Rosario Dawson. Nope. Well said, Selma. Thank you, Charo. Uh, Written by the actresses themselves, the jokes made a stab at pre-existing attitudes and practices in Hollywood, which were pretty well received. However, a few days ago, Trust MTV Australia tweeted during the live cast, where are the English subtitles? We have no idea what America Ferrera and Eva Longoria are saying. The tweet has since been deleted MTV Australia, stating they, and I quote, our tweet was in reference to Eva Longoria and America Ferrera's Golden Globes jokes. We sincerely apologize for causing offense. We get it was a bad call. We'll leave the jokes to Ricky Gervais. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't leave the jokes to Ricky Gervais anyway. <laughs> That's just as bad, actually. <laughs> maybe right. just don't make jokes MTV Australia. No, no. True. Well, um, the tweet has since been deleted. Yeah, sorry, I said that again. Oh, anyway, yeah. the but, tweet caught her eye. Like, but with the tweet, right? Why, why did, why did they have to actually say, oh, where are the subtitles? It's just like, like, and and looking at the notes, you know, we're we're well pre prepared on the race card. Like this idea of accents and foreignness and and all that kind of jazz. And, like, immediately, like, Eva Longoria and America Ferrer poking fun of mm. being mistook for other Latina um, actresses. And immediately after that happens, immediately when they try to put focus on this kind of, like, homogenizing of all Latina actresses, you then say, where are the subtitles? We can't understand these, these, uh, these women speaking in strange-sounding accents. I feel like, to me, it drew, like, on a metaphorical fr framework where Eva Longoria and America Ferrer were speaking their reality, um, speaking how Latina actresses get mixed up. And then MTV Australia spoke their reality, where they actually don't see racism because they don't see it as a problem, you know what I mean? So when they say, oh, where's the subtitles? They're basically saying, like, you know, speak English or whatever, or, yeah. like, there's no racism. You might as well just say, say that. Might as, well, um, might as well just, like, you, you don't want to really hear you. I know, like, your slang is cool when we use it and mm. when we talk like you. But we don't want you to talk like the way you talk, right? Right. And, and that sort of thing. And just like, don't show any personality. Don't actually poke fun or talk about issues surrounding race and racism because we're not really about that. And and, and that kind of MTV Australia uh, tweet brought me back to like, the because like there were videos surfaced um, uh, like last week about MTV and, and not playing black artists. And like one of mm. their presenters were, were helping. It's like, you know, we can't, we just... We, we just can't play them, right. you know. It, we 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 have to kind of like, um, what's the what's the term? We have to we have to appeal to a wider American audience, and because of that, you know, we just can't have people, black artists, but yeah, the, yeah, that, like that kind of thing, and it just. It's like it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. At least. That's right. I mean, you have to remember, it's it's MTV. You know, the first black performer to get on MTV was Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson's a legend. And he was he, he like you. Someone had to be that good firstly to get onto MTV. And second of all, MTV is an American cultural product, and the United States and Mexico, particularly, um, have a very 
a conspicuous kind of relationship um the border being heavily patrolled in comparison to say usa and canada and so again for that tweet to go on kind of plays into this idea of um moving away from like distancing oneself from the other and actually silencing them to more violent um consequences yeah because like a lot of the time uh if you're if you're canadian you just you know you just you just move the border you know it's it's Mm -hmm. fine because you're just like you're just like them because we haven't stolen your land you know what i mean yeah exactly exactly and i guess in terms of you know given it is mdv australia in terms of australian attitudes to immigrants of color and their obsession with english proliferating english spoken with an acceptable accent again that's like another tangent you could look it into it um where that's kind of like non not acceptable and uh speaking of english services um i think it's important to mention ames has a vested interest in detention center industrial complex (laughs) yeah i was surprised when you told me that like I I had always thought that Ames was well obviously like soft politically because they're a part of like they have government funding and everything mm-hmm. like that but they weren't about to go and say hey we we've got vested interests in detention centers like that they I thought they would have I guess not horrible politics in that sense right and the thing is like that's what people have to realize especially when you're getting you know funding from institution that is i don't want to say morally bankrupt but particular yeah yeah like let's be honest if you're talking about the past 10 15 years and how um refugees and asylum seekers have been treated mm-hmm. it has been morally bankrupt this is also true when you're not allowed I to mean, it, has, it was already more bankrupt from yeah, the beginning. From, it was already more bankrupt from from way back but like we were talking about contemporary times right now mm. it is um, at a new level, you, mm-hmm. journalists are not allowed to go to Nauru Manus. They're not allowed to go to Detention Sisters, and in these places, like you wouldn't imagine, you'd imagine this being happening in places like North Korea, like places that we think are just some um, these really kind of like fascist, very kind of totalitarian government systems. We'd never think about it in Australia because Australia's True. all about liberties and freedoms and right. and all that kind of thing. And also I think it's particularly, you know, um, insidious, I guess you could say, when it is offshore, you know what I mean? Like the detention, detention centers are largely offshore or even the ones onshore, it's like not cool. But um, I feel like Australia operates on a basis of out of sight, out of mind. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Be sold. But anyway, uh, but yeah, like that kind of thing, right? It's just like um, you you can't you can't see it. It's not affecting you. You're going about your everyday life, and you know it just doesn't exactly. matter. At least, like at least, I feel like if something doesn't affect um, the kind of like white majority, it mm. won't surface. Like it won't hit the surface. Like I remember a few weeks back. Um, uh, no, it's actually it's a few months now. Um, the climate change march, right? It had like I think sixty thousand maybe people. Yeah. And before that march, there was the indigenous kind of um, forced closure um, march, right? Mm. And that didn't have nearly as they didn't have half the number. Wow. And it just like the kind of thing that scratches and hits the surface is what mm. what matters to that majority. <laughs> I'm banning all rap this year at the awards. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I love hip hop, obviously. But tonight, it's all about soul. Okay, hold on a second. I got another call. Wait a minute. No, honestly, man, you are my favorite artist out right now. But I ain't let anybody in with no littles and youngs and they name. Yeah. Hang on one second. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, yes. Who is this? Iggy Azalea. Yeah, hey. 
oh, no, 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 no. You can come, because what you're doing is definitely not rap. Yeah. Yeah, I got on my overalls. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to send an Uber for you right now. Yeah, come on, be outside. Moving on to the feature story this week, and back to the topic of award shows, the Oscar nominations were released. Last year, the Oscars caused a bit of a fuss when not a single person of colour was nominated for an Academy Award. A number of actors, creators, and artists spoke up about the issue. Uh, actor David o- David Oyelowo, I honestly don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I hope I am, uh, said last year, generally speaking, we as black people have been celebrated more for when we're when we are subservient, when we are not being leaders or kings, or being in the centre of our own narrative, driving it forward. And absolutely, it's true. Black people have only ever been nominated or given awards when they've played lesser characters, a slave and 12 years a slave, a servant and a help. Black people and people of colour are never recognised for their artistic talents, but are often called upon to entertain the masses. Jada Pinkett Smith said in a recent post on social media that people of colour are always welcome to give out awards, even entertain but we are rarely recognised for our artistic accomplishments. We are degraded to... Let me try that again. We are degraded into nothing more than court justices and are only handed an award when we play a slave because of the overbearing white guilt. This made me think of the situation back home. Here in Australia, we like to think of ourselves as a country that prides itself on being a multicultural hub, a shining beacon of acceptance and example for the rest of the world. So, we did... Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Some good old-fashioned Google searching to find out whether or not this mindset was reflected in our entertainment industry. We tried to find out exactly how many people of colour have won a Logie Award in Australia in the last five years. Since 2010, there have been five people of colour who have received Logie Awards. Five. But, given that this is the lucky country, and according to literally every white person in the media, we have definitely passed the age of racism, so... I decided to extend the search way back to the year 2000. So, in the last 16 years, there have been six individuals of colour who have received a Logie. Six in 16 years. So, I'm going to throw this over to you guys. Well, wait, hey, hey, hey. I, like, I'm, I'm just going to say, like, devil's argument, you know, devil's, devil's argument. Six is a lot, you know, like, I'm just saying, you know. You know you, Six, six in sixteen no, years, six, yeah. Yeah, six in sixteen that's years. That's heaps, yeah. That, that's a lot of Absolutely. People. We should be you, grateful for like, that. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, think about Australian television, you're like I only see beige when I watch Australian television. So imagine like I'm I'm just saying six in sixteen years is an accomplishment for all those six actors. But even saying that, like I'm pretty sure of those six actors, they're kind of tokenized. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Actually, um I had the article uh, the sort of research that I did early here. Out of those six actors, um, two of them, actually, no, sorry, three of them won two awards in different years. So it's literally, so Deborah Mailman, she won her first award in 2002 for Most Outstanding Actress. In 2004, she won again for Most Outstanding Actress. And then again in 2013 for Most Outstanding Actress, Deborah Mailman. And now we're transitioning more to Miranda Tapsell as the, you know, the the new token girl who won two awards last year as Most Popular New Talent and the Graham Kennedy Award for Most Outstanding Newcomer. But also, like, um, I think we, we did some research as, as well, again, about this year, and we were kind of surprised by what we found as well. There were very few, I think, out of how many nominations were there? About 180-something nominations uh, for most for Best Actor. I think it was like best presenter. There was a hundred and oh yeah, best presenter. Yeah, there was a hundred and eighty or so um, nominations, and the I think the the number of people nine were nine nine people out of one hundred and eighty nine hundred out of one hundred eighty nine people. Yeah, there were nine uh, people, people of, of color. color. 
So, and th- but that's best pre- that, that's best presenter. If you look at best act, um, best actress, I'm pretty sure there's only two. Yeah, and that was Marin Tepsel, and I'm um, the other woman. I'm forgetting. Uh, Sharina Clanton and Deborah Mailman again. Oh, so three, so three. We're talking about. Three. So the two tokens plus Sharina Clanton essentially. So, so like, but but also like we got to. I think, I think when we talk about showing television, we have this idea that we are we are multicultural because we have SBS and we have all these things and and we have the there's always this one show that people talk about um you know like uh, whether it be uh, I'm trying to think of a show like there's a new show called The Principal right now and a lot of people are saying oh it's so it's so so diverse and it's like it's always this, this one show and now Benjamin Law is having a uh, having his show premiere i think it was either this coming week or it was last week mm. and and that's uh, it's great to see him succeeding in television but like there's all there's only room for like the selected few there's always going to be people that are tokenized um and it seems like we, we talked about this last week um about lupita like there's this closed shop and they use lupita and they use people like miranda tepsel as kind of like hey you know you're the token girl. What, what, she's doing something, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, and then kind of like, I feel like aids to this kind of like respectability politics thing. Mm. Like, why can't you be like Marianne Tepsel? Why can't so, you be like that person? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also think it's worse when it's harking back to this idea of as long as you can work hard enough, you can reach your goals. And the reason why you're not getting awards is because you're not working hard enough. It's all based on merit, guys. Just work hard and you'll get there. And that does terrible things for your mental health as well. If you Absolutely. are someone striving for that kind of, you know, industry, it's terrible. I think it was Chris Rock who is actually, again, uh, hosting the um, Academy Awards this year. Uh, he said in one of his uh, stand-up shows way back that, um, uh, I think the quote was something like, "You have the black man has to fly for the thing the white man can walk to. And he was talking about, you know, his neighbourhood and where he lives. And- yes. I remember like that. He was, he was yeah. saying something like, um, you know, like, there's just Dennis. He's just white Dennis guy. Yeah, so like he life. lives on a street with like you know Jay Z, who's like this incredible rapper, mm, and Mary, Mary J. Blige, and all these really talented, hardworking, incredibly successful black people. And then mm. his next door neighbor is just a regular dentist, not even like the best dentist or anything. Well, He's just yeah, a regular like, that's dude. It. That's just that's just it. And it's just when we talk about this kind of thing, it's that you have to be. Like you said I think earlier you have to be like Michael Jackson. You have to be the best in your Field. Exactly. You have to be exceptional. Exactly. And just on the Michael Jackson thing, the first black woman to get on MTV is Whitney Houston, who is another legend. Yeah. They're the I mean, you know, the, the standards are so much higher. And I totally agree with Chris Rock's statement. Um basically you have to compete with white mediocrity pretty much, but you have to be exemplary. Excellent and exactly. perfect in every way. Exactly. No faults in your in your, in your childhood, in your background, your future. And if you have one small thing to your name, people can just, you know, put you down completely. I.e. Barack Hussein Obama. <laughs> that, was, that was his one fault in his name. He had a, exactly. an Arab name, a Middle Eastern, um, African Muslim name. Did you actually, did you um, manage to see his... He had this, I forget what it's called, but he had this kind of like dinner at the White House where he invited everyone. Like most press people and people from the government and, and other politicians came and he made fun of Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Oh, he showed his birth video. So he basically showed the Lion um, King, King scene. Yeah. scene. <laughs> and like Barack Obama, there's a lot of faults in, in, in his like what he does. But one thing that he does have in spades is charisma. And I, I implore anyone... Watch that video and you will laugh so hard your face might fall off. <laughs> that so, is what do you guys? What do you guys think of? Well, what other factors do you think are resulting in such a lack of diversity in Australian media apart from the blatant racism? Well, like, like we, this is the thing. Like, the the reason these things happen is because um, there's like an institutionalized level of people who are in power, right? And there's specific people who are part of acting companies, producers, mm. um, directors, um, uh, showrunners, and all these kinds of things. And, and most of the time, they are, they're, they're white, they're um, middle-aged, and they're male most of the time as well. So it's, it's the kind of thing where, and I think there's a statistic, um, this is going to the Oscars, but like in the, in the Academy, 
um, 77% of the academy is white and male, 94% of the academy is like white. So it's like you're already in a, like a very, very kind of like, um, you're, you're working from such a way down. You're going to have to do something like incredible. You have to be the best actor mm. or actress. You have to be the best in your field to ever even just have a, have a chance at anything. Yeah, I remember when Nasha Bachman came into studio and she said, "You, if you're in journalism in that instance, um, you won't be coming in with an equal footing with everybody else. Um, and that just struck me. Um, but also, I think, you know, when we think about who do we want to see in the media and when they make these decisions. So if the media reflects reality or a perception of reality or a fantasy, is that perception of reality and fantasy white? Yeah, no, like, the well, idealized society. Because, be. like, um, like I, I, like, like I, like for me, right? I couldn't conceptualize, like, at least on Australian television. Like, I had, no, like, I'd watch Neighbors, I watch Charmed Away, and like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, rec- I couldn't, like, say, oh, they, they could be like a black or brown person on this show. Like, I could, I could just, my mind couldn't compute. And when there was, I was just like, mm. you know what I mean? And and that kind of like normalizes you into thinking that this. A character that might look like you, a character that might look different to like the white norm could exist, and particularly in Australia, and the way people, the way Australia is presented um, outwardly is like I remember was a um, I forget her name, a, a very popular um, a, a popular um, female writer came to Australia. Um, she, she wrote a book about uh, feminism. I'm forgetting uh, Roxanne Gay. Roxanne Gay, yes, Roxanne Gay, yeah. I, it was in my mind. I just forgot. <laughs> um, and she said, like, she was like, she tweeted um, in a kind of like joking manner, like, there are black people in Australia. Question mark. Wow. Like, as a surprise. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? And that thing is like, even like like indigenous people aren't presented outwardly. Um, and if they are, they're presented tokenistically. Um, migrants that come to Australia aren't presented outwardly. And it's kind of this very kind of like, people think of Australia like white, blonde, um, person on on, right. on a barbecue, you know what I mean? Or and by that, the beach. Or by the beach, and um, I can speak to that. Um, I remember I was watching Home and Away when I was in Malaysia or something on holiday, and this was long before I came to Australia. I came to Australia like almost five years ago, but prior to that, in my mind, I always imagined Australia as like completely white, and it is ninety eight percent white. Um, however, you know, diversity portrays itself in different ways. Um, I think urban areas are a little bit more diverse, you could say. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's pretty... Um, speaking to that as well, I remember um, coming to Australia and watching TV, and wa- TV is just whitewashed. It's not even like there's no content for you, but you're also not in the content. I feel like people of color exist as inconveniences in Australian society. It's inconvenient that you should exist and so therefore we're not going to put you in this idealized world where we are all very white and blonde at best we have a few streaks of dark hair well like this this, <laughs> this this reminds me of um i had a conversation with someone from my journalism class and we we're sitting in class um and they just picked the broadcasters um the, pa- the people on the panel to do the show um and the, anch- the anchor's right and we're talking, and I overheard these these two white women talking about, um, kind of like how it's so undiverse, you know, like w- where's the diversity here? And you know, and they're like, they're all brunettes. Oh wow! And they wouldn't they wouldn't okay. comment on them being white, but they would, they'd comment on them being brunettes, and they were blonde. Um, and they were like, where are the blonde hairs? Where 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 are the reds? And and I was immediately like taken aback and said like. That's that, the first that, thing that comes yeah, to your mind. Yeah, like, is, is that how um, we see? Is that how you see diversity? Is that how we see the way we want? The way we have to see diversity is through very white lenses, and the way we see it is through if it like directly resembles you through this, through not only the the actual shade of beige, through the the blonde or through the mm-hmm. eyes. There, like for example, like I watch. I, if I if I saw like um, I don't know Idris Elba become the Bond uh, become Je- the next James Bond, he does not look anything like me. But I would be like, wow, you know, he, right. he he's slightly darker than me. He has a different hair kind of tone. He has 
um, like everything is different. Every single thing we just have like similar color. Like and and I would, and I would see that as representation, whereas they just wouldn't even yeah. in the same circumstance. And and I guess in that sense, partly the normalization of whiteness, and they can only see diversity through whiteness, and diversity in whiteness. Um, having said that, I feel like a lot of people of color kind of like grip onto strings and straws for representation. You know what I mean? So. For, Take what we can get and that sort of thing. Exactly. Mm. Like, oh, at least there's one of us there. You know what I mean? That type of stuff. We're just happy to see one of us represented, even though that is not a wholesome image. I mean, no one's a wholesome image of but, but even, yeah, a like, group. Like, but even, like, what you said, just, like, that person might not even be, like, black. They could be um, brown. or And you'd still say, hey, that is amazing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like that. You, you, you just cling on to any sort of diversity yeah. whatsoever. That's true. And like, so I think for them to be worried about hair color is a massive I mean, privilege. At, at the very least, I would have expected they'd say something like, oh, there's so many men and not enough women. Like, that's because that's usually what... There's, there's actually, I think, more women on the panel, surprisingly, okay. was, which was very good. Uh, but, like, they were, they were all white. But uh, yeah. that, that was that was the, the precursor. But the thing was, I was also, like, oh, su- surprised. But we were talking about, like, casting on television. The first kind of, like, I think... Um, diverse like family that wasn't white on on neighbors were I think the Kapoor family, um, and they the, got kicked out, didn't they? They? Got, they got killed after two like like after a, like two years thin. First, the mom was killed after one year, and then like you know the, the dad was kind of like searching and saying, "I'm sorry if, if I'm giving spoilers, listeners. This was quite a while ago." But like the dad was like searching and saying, "I gotta leave this place," and then by by next to no time, like a like a really big family was taken to nothing, and you're like, wow. Where is the representation? And that was their attempt mm. at representation. And I think part of the reason why they had to get removed was because there was outcry to that. I think a lot of um, people watching were not happy with that diversity. Which is weird because, like, when you think about neighbors, particularly, they've got a huge reach in the UK, and there are a lot of black and brown people in the UK. Exactly. So maybe that's why they were introduced. But Especially I think there's the Australian a huge, there's a huge like, like South Asian community in the UK mm. as well. And I'm like, yeah. Which just right. like those yeah those kinds of things. But you know when the outcry happens, right? When the viewers don't want to see you know people of color in the media, are they trying to say that in this ideal world, we shouldn't exist? You know what I mean? If if the media is a fantasy for them, and they don't want to see that fantasy disrupted, I think that's very telling for the kind of ideal world they live in. And, and how that fantasy creates reality mm-hmm. and how that shapes their reality. And and, and, I, and I guess that, that that's why people are so completely, like, starkly angered by the when they see that sort of, like, um, presence of, 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 of diverse people, people of colour, mm. in, in, just, in just real life, like, in, in kind of, like, every day walking around... Um, on transport, where you see a lot of people yelling, like that kind of thing, because you know you don't see that on television, right? You don't see that on your newspapers, you don't see that on any kind of thing, and in Australia that doesn't exist. So when you see it, imagine like when you see it, it's like this smack reality. Your your actual kind of like white idea of of life is shattered, and right. then you you you're left to kind of you're in this angered state. And you don't know why, and you you're on a train yelling at this poor person, just minding their own business. That's how it sometimes is. And, you know, just coming back to, um, you know, people of color not winning awards. Firstly, they don't get the roles. <laughs> Let alone get the awards. Um, I came across a really, really beautiful piece by Lasha for Kinfolk Collective titled Hashtag Oscar is so white again. Why I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Um, and some of the things that she writes is pretty pertinent and she, um, so I'm going to quote a few lines, um, where she says, black excellence is not conditioned upon white acknowledgement. And the other one, whether the weatherman tells us or not, we know it's raining. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very clever, um, for her to mention that because, you know, there is our cry and rightfully so where we don't get awards for, um, creativity and talent. But the fact that we're waiting for white, like institutions that were only for white people at one point, still proliferating that 
legacy of just rewarding white people and white majority. It's like we're waiting for their exactly, approval. Mm. and you don't need that. Yeah, you don't yeah, exactly, and I guess the, and this is what people say: you have to make your own thing, and uh, we see that like in other senses. But there's also teething problems in that, like we we're talking mm-hmm. before. And people would also say, you know, there is in America there's BET, but we're mm-hmm. saying BET is owned by I'm pretty sure white execs. Exactly. So, but yeah. Which again comes to you know dictating culture, and you know what kind of culture do they want to reward you for? You know what I mean? And we, as we already mentioned, if you are looking through a white lens, the only way you can see, for example, a black person represented is if they are, you know, a, a mammy, if they're a maid, if they're, you know, a slave, if they're, you know what I mean, if they're criminal. Like, that's their, that's the limit of their imagination. And that's the only way they can see you as credible, you know? Um, but also, um, Lasha continues in the piece and presents the idea of boycotting the Oscars, which is something that I've read um, a few times. And if they don't want you on stage, then you shouldn't be in the audience either. I think, which I think is pretty interesting. I think Jada Pickett also. Yeah, she said the same sort of thing. She was she, saying essentially, you know, if they're not going to recognize our talents, we shouldn't even be a part of the you know, mm, the event. Right. And she was talking in reference to you know people who are hosting the show, people who are handing out awards and things like that. Mm. So yeah, food for thought. Mm. Serious, definitely food for thought. Exactly, and yeah. also part of it is like, should we be surprised? that we have a wider Oscars than last year's white Oscars. <laughs> it's almost like it's just becoming whiter and whiter as the day goes by, even though I'm pretty sure in America um, it is getting less white in terms of the majority. Uh, and and I, I guess that, that is also kind of something that happens. You know, like, we're giving him too much. Oh, my God. That actually, you just gave me an idea in my mind. You know, as um, the United States in this instance is getting less white, should we say. Was it like 49, 51% yeah, or something, something like that? something like that. Yeah. And I think by the... So there's still the majority. So, yeah, there's yeah. still a majority technically. <laughs> but like the fact that they're getting less white uh, in terms of their population, does that also mean their reality... Sorry, not reality. Their representation of reality or the fantasy that they want gets even whider? That, 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 like I feel like that is... there a correlation? That might be a correlation. Because, like, I feel like people look at what was happening. Like, I feel like in the 90s, like, at least in, like, America, you had people like Spike Lee, you had a lot of, like, people around, like, doing different kind of things. And it seemed, like, looking back, you're like, wow, there was a lot of things that happened. A lot of, mm-hmm. like, television icons, a lot of, and a lot of kind of, like, rap and hip-hop was owned by, like, African-American people and they right. were producing their own stuff. And now it's kind of much different. So it's like, even though people are, are more kind of established rap is more established rap is more established and and these sorts of things are happening and, and change is happening it is becoming ever more like narrow like it's like this thing about um the concentration of wealth is getting more mm-hmm. concentrated right and and i feel like that is a direct correlation of, of of that as well and i just wonder if that happens in australia and it's already very very white and the only the only the only kind of place um uh, people of color can exist is through very cut, like very high, um, over over exaggerated um, caricatures, like things like "Here Comes the Habibis," or you know, like mm, you know, that, yeah, that Channel Nine yeah. show that I'm not even going to um, to watch. I'm also thinking, even for celebrated um, actors, actresses, musicians, artists in general, creative people, <laughs> um, even if they are celebrated and they are awarded, do they have regular work? That's the other thing that I kind of think of. You were talking about. Jay Cole earlier, like mm-hmm. um, when we were preparing for the show, and you were saying he became outspoken, but just as he became outspoken, he disappeared. He also, yeah. So, like, there's a lot of artists who are outspoken on the get go. Um, I'm thinking particularly MIA and Akala. And obviously, you can tell they're immensely talented, immensely, like, in- incredible, but something is stopping them from going mainstream or becoming more popular. Yeah. Um, whether that tells you about the consumer or whether the person who is in control or both. Um, but also J. Cole, I find, is a particularly interesting um, subject, partially because he was already mainstream. You know what I mean? Like, people were already listening to J. Cole, and he was he's pretty cool. He's, he's really talented as well. I love his music. And then when he started getting involved with Black Lives Matter and he started becoming outspoken and creating music that was a little bit, you know, provocative, 
um, he suddenly died down. <laughs> I haven't heard from him since like 2013, 2014. Yeah, and and like just on like a color, for example, um, I remember he was saying the only uh, the only song that got any mainstream attention, I think, he got, was it was played on BBC, was when he used the N word a mm. lot of times, and then he since stopped using the N word in his music, um, and that's the only song that's ever hit mainstream. And, right. and like, I, I just wonder if that is a direct correlation, how, and a lot of the times the way we imagine people and, and that kind of representation, kind of like we imagine them, like we said, like, um, whether it be slaves, whether it be maids, whether it be people in these very kind of like, um, like hyper kind of exaggerated situations of how we see them in, and which doesn't really meet the reality. Yeah, sexualized yeah, so, versions. Hi, yeah, exactly. Highly sexualized versions. And. And that sort of thing is allowed to exist, but that, right. uh, that that the thing is, it exists for for your kind of amusement, in a sense. I find the white gaze particularly not just of amusement, but also of grotesque grotesqueness. Like you are, they are both grotesque and amused at the same time, which I think is, I mean, it's a weird, you know, connotation to have existing at the same time, but it does happen. Well, heavy stuff, guys, but that is our show for the week. Hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to podcast it if you've just tuned in and want to hear the show. You can follow us on Twitter at The Race Card. And our co-hosts... Amina. I am not on Twitter, but... Oh, God. You can How follow... How could you? <laughs> you can follow The Race Card at... The Race, the race card. card, yep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but also you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash... Um, race card show you can find us on ACAR searching race card you can find us on iTunes searching race card you can find us podcast republic app which for um, Android users would be it's a a cheap app it doesn't cost a thing and it's actually really good usable and that kind of thing so you can find it there you can find it on Mixcloud and you can you know share the podcast where can we find you Ahmed oh can find me or they can find me on uh, on twitter at ahmed yusuf 10 the number 10 um and uh, yeah enjoy the race hopefully you're enjoying the race if you are why don't you leave us a review on itunes maybe a five star review and that way we can move up the itunes charts and we can share our message to the world also we are close to our 500 likes on facebook yeah give oh. us a like on facebook and help us reach that target have i like the page i feel like i have but i'll check the, if, you <laughs> ha- if, if you really haven't liked the page i'm just wondering why you're on the show well plugging it in it is <laughs> facebook.com forward slash race card show and you can get on that we can yeah. all get on that I said just every, yeah everyone gets on that as soon as you can um and i, I think that's goodbye from me Ofidazen from moi. Thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.